I met Sarah in what's basically a grammar class and we were paired up for a project and I was kind of grumpy about it because group projects, not my favorite. Trina and Allison came and when I say they had to do everything for me, literally, <laughs> I could barely feed myself. He came home with this poster. It was for the Moonlight and Roses dance. And he put it up on our wall and he said, we're going to this dance. Welcome to the Why Magazine podcast, bringing you ideas, stories, and voices from Brigham Young University. This is Whitney Archibald, and this episode is all about BYU friendships. Somewhere in the vulnerability of living away from home for the first time, rooming with strangers, studying together, worshiping together, and painting each other's faces for football games is the glue that makes for some sticky friendships. This was certainly the case for me. In addition to the many roommates and neighbors I still keep in touch with, there were those serendipitous meetings with lovely and memorable people in classes, wards, and other groups on campus. Like Linda, who taught me a Hawaiian dance for English class. Melissa, who was never too cool to lip-sync with me to our favorite Mexican pop song in the Spanish computer lab. And Nicole, who challenged me to spend a day in a wheelchair to get a taste of what her life was like. Today, we're going to talk to four alumni about their BYU friendships, as featured in the first-person section of the Winter 2024 issue of Y Magazine. In each issue of the magazine, we share alumni memories around a certain topic. We'd love to feature your story in an upcoming issue and or podcast episode as well. Since the Provo Temple is currently being rebuilt, we're collecting reverently humorous, heartwarming, or inspiring stories about your experiences inside or outside the Provo Temple— you can email submissions of 300 words or less to firstperson at byu.edu until March 20th. Our first story is the tale of two resilient roommates who quite literally changed their tune halfway through their freshman year. Here to tell you their story is Trevor Budge from West Richland, Virginia, who graduated from BYU with his master's degree in 2000. Trevor and his friend Justin grew up together, went through Cub Scouts in high school together, and since they were both headed to BYU, they decided to be roommates in Deseret Towers. The problem with that is that we both reminded each other of home. And so we, you know, we had a standard freshman experience, a lot of homesickness. But also both of us were writing um, girls from our hometown. Uh -huh. The two of them were racking up expensive phone bills, haunting the mailbox for letters, and counting down the days until they could reunite with their hometown girls. And I, I remember... After finals, just like, okay, it's time to go. I'm not going to talk to you for two weeks. I'm going home. We're going to say hi to our folks, and then we're going to go hang out with these, you know, our crushes. We're really excited. And, uh, you know, at first, for, for me personally, like, everything was going really great until New Year's Eve, and I found out what I thought were sparks flying were not. <laughs> and uh, I was summarily dismissed, and it was time to go back to school. Very, very disappointed. <laughs> And, and then I get back to school, and there's Justin, and same thing happened to him. And so we both were just like, oh. And so now we got the homesickness, but instead of the hope of going home, we have nothing to look forward to. No more phone calls, no more letters, just two guys sitting in their dorm room. Playing sad love songs on the radio, specifically the, the band Chicago. Oh, yeah, that'll do uh, it. And it was, it was not helping. <laughs> so that, that is where we find that's, that's the low point. A lot of pining going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was too much. Too much. And it was not fun. Yeah. Something had to change. This was no way to spend the first year of college. 
Then finally... One night we were sitting in this desperate and, and depressed state and we were listening to Chicago <laughs> and, and Justin just, it was all of a sudden, he just bursts out, dude, turn off that Chicago. <laughs> and, and so I, you know, obediently turned it off because I had no will of my own at this point. And I, and he just starts going off. We've got to become party animals. We've got to do something. Get out of this room. So that night, he made me promise that we would do something social every day for the, the rest of the semester. Every day, no matter what. Next day, he came home with this poster. Now, I don't know what the rules are about stealing a poster from, you know, BYU bulletin boards, but it was for a dance. It was for the Moonlight and Roses dance. And he put it up on our wall and he said, we're going to this dance. And, and we did. It was great. But, you know, it was just, you know, getting out of that room. And, you know, started out with really little things. We were in the BYU 19th ward and, and all the people in that ward were just so great and willing to, to go along this ride with us, this journey, this quest of becoming the, the party animals we wanted to become. And they had a new theme song. Oh, did they have a theme song. In the Morris Center, there's a jukebox. And we would go down and just play a song in the jukebox. Sooner <laughs> or later... People started figuring out that we were doing this, and they would come with us. And and after a while, it became a thing. And so what started out as really small, our song was uh, LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out. And, um, <laughs> That's a far so, cry so we, from Chicago. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it was, more of a, it was more of a get up and go song yeah. rather than a sit and commiserate. And, uh, and so that's what we did. And, and by the end of the semester, you know, we had a whole group that on Fridays, we'd all go down and put on Mama Said Knock wow. Out. <laughs> and this was before the days of flash mobs, but there was choreography oh. involved. And I, I apologize to anyone who was in the Morris Center when this happened, because I'm sure we looked ridiculous. And uh, we probably annoyed everyone there. <laughs> but... This, this was a quest, and we had a more important vision, uh, something that we had to do. And, you know, it, it really was it was something little, but it meant so much. You know, we built connections with, with all those people in our ward. It changed the trajectory of our time at BYU, took us from a low and took us out on a high. Now we're going to hear from Olivia Browning-Snow, who graduated from BYU in 2017 with an English degree and now lives in Klamath Falls, Oregon. She has a story about a friendship that started with some hefty skepticism and progressed to a lifelong friendship, complete with their own logo. So I met Sarah in what's basically a grammar class. It was called Modern American Usage, taught by Professor Debbie Harrison. She was amazing. And we were paired up for a project about the difference between fewer or less. And we had to go look through a bunch of usage dictionaries in the library. It was a little more difficult than just Googling. And I was kind of grumpy about it because mm, group projects, not my favorite. I think we've all been there at some point where we're left doing most of the work. You know, there's that joke that says, when I die, I want the people I did group projects with to lower me into my grave so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> so it's fine. I was ready to kind of be the person who did the work. But it turns out that Sarah was that person, too. When we met up in the library, nice. I could tell immediately that Sarah was different. <laughs> she was going to pull her weight. Um, <laughs> she was just really smart and fun to work with and excited about the project and just fun. And we just clicked like that. 
you know, as we were chatting, we got to know some of our shared interests. Like we both loved reading, especially fantasy novels. We <laughs> we joke that Brandon Sanderson, the author, is our third member of our writing group yeah. because we talk about him all the time, <laughs> read all his books, watch all his lectures. We also, you know, love thrifting and we love writing. She's a writer too. She also writes uh, kind of young adult or middle grade fantasy novels. So it just was like fate brought us together for this kind of silly group project. And yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's how we met. The partnership went so well that they kept it going for the rest of their time at BYU. They worked together at student publications and journals, racking up many late night hours, finishing work that needed to be done. And then kind of a nice like full circle moment. We both were the TAs for the same modern American usage class that we met in. And Aww. And then we graduated and she moved to New York and I moved to Oregon. So we were on opposite sides of the country, but we Marco Poloed each yeah. other every day as we were planning out our novels and just life and babies and work. And then once a week we have a writing call where we toss our children to our husbands and we spend an hour <laughs> discussing our novels in progress and we call it writing buddies. And Sarah even made me a shirt. She like made a logo of us as writing buddies. <laughs> This support they give each other is more than just moral support. These women help each other get things done with some pretty intense deadlines. Yep. I was pregnant with my second, and she was not quite pregnant yet, but would get pregnant soon. And we kind of made this pact that we wanted to finish our drafts of our novels before we gave birth again, because we knew once we have all these children running around, it's yeah. just going to be so hard <laughs> to write. Um, yeah. No, I was going to have two. She was going to have four. And so I'm in the hospital. I go into labor a week early and it was a week early. I was planning on having that week. And my, yeah. my second child took that from me. So I, <laughs> I packed everything up, you know, for the overnight bag. And I threw my computer in and I told my husband, I'm going to, I have three chapters left. I'm going to finish before we leave the hospital. And I did. And it was so funny because I'm in the hospital bed and I've got my huge belly and I've just got my computer propped on it. And the nurses are like plugging in things to my, you know, my body and needles and monitors and <laughs> I'm just typing away furiously. Like, trying to don't disturb done. my concentration. <laughs> no, <laughs> the nurses were kind of babbled. I think they thought I was really weird, but I had to get it done. And then similarly, a couple months later, Sarah was finishing up her first draft of her novel and she had to go in to get her C-section early because she had mm. twins and they needed to come a month early. And <laughs> she's, you know, there, there was no like typing between contractions with a C-section. They just got it done real quick. And then she spent <laughs> the time in recovery while her, her twins were growing stronger, um, type, furiously typing out her novel. And she finished as well. So we both left the hospital oh with finished novels and finished babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sarah always said she does best when she has a really good deadline. So, <laughs> Due to some last-minute shuffling, David McDowell had no idea who his freshman roommate would be, nor how much that roommate would enrich his life. As I walked out of the elevator in Deseret Towers, and I could smell miso soup. It was uh, strong and salty and that was my first exposure was this smell of soup and I came down and met him and he was just so kind. His en English was really why he was there. He was working on English. English was not uh, really comfortable for him. 
And so it was just kind gestures. Uh, sharing, sharing his food with me right away was the first thing. He certainly was quick to share whatever he had. Talking to me, listening, asking me about my life, um, and been being open to talk about his life was really comforting. It made it really easy to get to know him. His roommate went by the nickname Meets, and he was from Japan. As the year progressed, David helped Meets with his English. I would drill him a lot. I would ask him a lot of questions. We had worked through a lot of conversations. He was always very interested in like colloquialisms and sayings because they are funny. In turn, Meets taught David more about Japanese culture. I really did just fall in love with everything Japanese. He had little gifts for me, like little bookmarks or paper cutout uh, things that I could put on my wall or <laughs> the funniest little, he had a little ear cleaner uh, with a little <laughs> Japanese lantern looking thing on the end of it. So he was showing me a lot of culture, a lot of art from Japan, just in these little gifts. And then the way that he liked them made me want to know more about them. And so I started to take classes in Japanese language first, and then I ended up making it the emphasis of my international studies degree. And so I took Japanese poetry and art and Japanese economics. And in my anthropology classes, I focused on Japan. I just did everything I could Japanese besides major in Japanese. David didn't end up getting called to Japan on his mission, but he did get called to the Oregon Eugene mission. And I was kind of surprised. I thought, I'm not going to use my Japanese much there. But then almost half of my mission, I was in an area where my ward mission leader ran a English-Japanese school to help Japanese students to learn English. And so it turned out that I used my little bit of Japanese that I knew. And mostly I, I had that love for the Japanese people and for teaching English to them that really was a big part of my mission. David McDowell graduated from BYU in 1996 and now lives in Bow, New Hampshire. Our final friendship story today is about Karen Crowther Harper, who graduated from BYU in 1982 and now lives in Arnold, Maryland. It's a beautiful story of lifelong friendship and Christ-like service that all started when she took a leap of faith her junior year. A friend she barely knew invited her to move in with her and four other girls. And she goes, now there's there's an apartment. It was Rain Tree Apartments at the time, which was the place to live. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, it's an apartment for six. And we have four, but... We don't know who the other ones are. They're just two girls from California. Now I'm an East Coast girl. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, great. (laughs) I'm picturing, I know it's terrible. I'm picturing typical, you know, blonde hair, beach baby, you know, type. (laughs) And it turns out they were the sweetest, nicest girls ever. And we had so much fun together. (laughs) They had so much fun that they lived together the next year, too. Of course, graduation day came, as it does, and they went their separate ways. They did get together for one of their weddings, and then finally in 2014, they reunited again. We had a six-hour dinner (laughs) (laughs) at Ruby Tuesday, and we did not even notice the, the... Restaurant people had cleaned up. <laughs> you <laughs> were shutting it down. <laughs> they had done everything, and they were they weren't saying a thing to us. And then we looked over. We said, "Oh, we are so sorry," but I guess they knew what we were doing. Yeah. And so, so it was it was pretty cool, and 
six hours, you know, of reminiscing and talking about our lives. And it was interesting because whether it was through our immediate families or our own families that we had, there's there's been addiction, divorce, death, birth, you know, um, just just everything that, yeah. you know, throws at you. But it was it was great because it was like, sorry, I get emotional <laughs> because all of us were still really strong, you know, through it all. And um, it reminded me of like Alma when he met, you know, the, the sons of Mosiah after so many years. And he talks about how they were, you know, still his brethren in the gospel. Yes. You know, kind of. And I felt the same way. That even though we had gone through all kinds of things in our own personal lives, that um, that they were all still really strong. It was it was really kind of amazing. Fast forward five years from that dinner to 2019, Karen had a persistent backache that was getting so bad she couldn't walk. It turned out she actually had stage four metastatic breast cancer that had caused a tumor in her spine, among other complications. So I had to have that removed, and and I have rods in my back. Hmm. And um, I was I was in the hospital for like six weeks, and I was wearing a brace until my back healed. And it it was situated so we we laugh now because we call it my T Rex arms because <laughs> I, I couldn't get them together because the brace you know that uh-huh. I had to. And so I was not able to do anything for myself for a while. And, and I remember my sister and my brother-in-law coming in and they're saying, oh, Trina and Allison are coming. And they came so my husband could go back to work. And when I say they had to do everything for me, literally, <laughs> really, I could barely feed myself. Yeah. With my T-Rex arms. But they were here, I guess, for two weeks, you know, and um, I remember sitting in my wheelchair and um, they decided that they would wash my hair because it was bad. <laughs> yeah. And and, um, and so I was sitting in this wheelchair and they also, you know, um, were, were bathing me and they were literally kneeling on the floor and washing my feet. Mm-hmm. And um, the thought just came to me like, this is, you know, what the Savior did for his disciples. And this is what service is. And this is what ministering is. And then I also realized as they were doing that, it was a thought that came that said, and this is just the tip of the iceberg of what I want you to do. I really, truly feel that. You know, they they were angels. Yeah. Angels that came in. Thank you for listening to the Y Magazine podcast. If you're enjoying it, subscribe, then tell your BYU loving friends about it. Like maybe the ones that came to mind while you listened to this episode. And if you really want to show us some love, go to the link in our show notes and take our listener survey. The Y Magazine podcast is produced by me, Whitney Archibald, with executive producer Denya Palmer. Mixing, mastering, and original music by Jarrett Davis.